Welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here your news, reviews, discussion, and of course stories. I am your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And today we are wrapping up our showcase of Ruby 5, the tale of the galactic gumshoes travels in the wacky land of Zoots, investigating strange behaviors by the inhabitants of the Awakening Archipelago. It's a world of bubbles, Bubblesville's Terminator Teddies, Feather Formula, and Angel Eyes. As I've mentioned before, Tom Lopez is working as we speak on yet another Ruby, the final one, Ruby 9. And after our feature of uh, this week's Ruby, Ruby 5, the final installment, Episode 6, we'll have an interview with Tom on his lifetimes and the new Ruby. Um, That's coming up after The Cleansed, Chapter 10. Uh, We've been following The Cleansed on this podcast. Uh, We've been to the refuge last week, has been ravaged by a nomadic group of uh, people called the Dwellers. We've also seen Maria and John trek deeper into the woods. And now we change perspective back to the Republic, the uh, city, the dystopian city um, in this land. Uh, Saul, the man in black, so to speak, has gone before the Council of the New Republic in this episode. They'll be doling out prizes after the greatness of Sea Day. And he has a little secret from the boy Zeke that Saul wants. We'll see how that goes. Here's the cleansed, Chapter 10. Final Room Productions presents The Cleansed, Season 1, Chapter 10. Please allow me to introduce myself. (laughs) No, that won't be necessary. You know all about me and my games. This won't take long. Where were we? Let's see. There was Sea Day, the great day of bread and circuses, and then it was time to parade me before the council and get the wheels moving again. Ah, the council. Babbling heads, infatuated with their own importance, signifying nothing. A group of barking dogs, yapping at the wheels of the world as the wheels grinded right on past them. You can always get what you want when you throw the dog a bone. Ah, so, our loyal servants. Richard. (laughs) Well, Council welcomes you. Don't we, Council? Absolutely, welcome, Saul. Good to see you. Here, take a seat. (laughs) This is a place of honor. Well, for a most honorable man. Well-met Council of the New Republic. And it is truly a new day since that maniac, the Prophet, has been denounced. We have restored power, we have hosted a celebration like none this city has seen in a decade. And today, the real work begins, which is why you are here, Saul. I understand. Are you prepared, then, to work as the public calls? As your loyal servant. Good. 
Then let's talk of the latest threat, counselors. Even as we throw down one wicked monster, more sprout in its place. Like dandelions after a rain. <laughs> now, while we may have made great progress, to realize our destiny, we must have continued diligence. Of course. We have troublemakers in our own streets. Those who would take the newfound power and use it to undermine us or mistreat their fellow men. Yes, of course. Now, to them, we have a show of force. Uh -huh. yes. From today forward, all crimes in the Republic shall be considered crimes against the state. I nominate our own Captain Saul to be head of the honor guard who shall maintain order on our streets. Ah, congratulations. Here, here. Well, how happy I would be if this were all of our troubles. But there is another threat which comes to us from the West. I had heard of this. Yes, there's a man who leads them. A band of refugees and the lost riffraff who are better disappearing from our world. He's a madman, claiming he's been sent from heaven to restore order to our world. Oh, ignore him. He'll go away. He's just a pest. Yes, well, if only we could, counselors. But he has attracted too large a group of followers to ignore him. Which, Saul, is why the Republic must ask one more responsibility of you. Saul, will you and the most elite among you prepare to fight this madman and make him rue the day he set foot on this city? I'll need guns. We have guns. And men. <laughs> yes. We have those as well. What we need now are results. Vanquish this enemy so that we may glory in the progress of the new republic. To the, the new, new republic! Hear, <laughs> hear. Uh, Saul, before you go. Yes, my liege? There is the matter of the boy. He will bring us what you want, on my honor. So the counselors, they will hear about him. Already word spreading. In the confusion, John's loyalists broke him free. These hooligans are the reason why we need me establishing order on the street. Yes, that's very true. So? So he will tell us what we want him to tell us. Give me time. Time is a precious commodity, Saul. It's the only wealth I treasure, Richard. You have my word. I'll have your answer soon. He knows where to find profit. How do you know? I know. The soup people named me Ezekiel after a book they read. One of the few people understood after the breaking. The end times, some called them. Well, maybe it was the end. But if it was, it was all I ever knew. How to slink through the dark tunnels like a rat. How to hunt above side. How to vanish into the soup when the gangs were after you. It was all I knew. And it seemed enough. And then I met John Prophet. Okay, Amos, when we get up there, what are you doing? You distract the guard, I grab the food, then we hightail back. Okay, here we go. Yeah, okay, ma'am. Two cans only for you today. 
One protein, one vegetable. Two cans? How can someone live off of two cans of food? I don't make the rules, man. But what about me? She has a kid. Ah, is that right? You're a mother? What? No, he's not my child. Hey, hey, you rat! You damn sewer rat! Hey! Hey, we got a subie here! Back up, please! Amos, here we go! Amos! Amos, hey! The door! End of the road, you little turd. Hey! 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 Alright. You made me. Let go of the kid. Mr. Prophet! I'm, I'm sorry. Are we so far gone you're about to kill a child? Come here, kid. What's wrong, Zeke? I... I, um, I don't know. Can't you move? John, help me. He's gotta... He's gotta... You're so far gone you'll kill a child? You would, you would. I had to. Prophet! Won't hurt for a second. Prophet! Prophet! I've gotta save myself, Zeke. Won't hurt for a second. Trouble sleeping. Ah! Ah! Shh! Shh! You! It's only me. No! No! Shh! You're free now, remember? We talked through this. I helped you out of there. Me and your brave friends went into the Republic stronghold and pulled you out. It's over. If you want it to be. I'm trying to help you, Zeke. What happened to Prophet? I don't know about him, do you? He... I... What happened, Zeke? He left me. He left us all? But... No, we were, he was like a father. I know. So why did he go? I'm sorry, Zeke. We're all hoping you can tell us that. You know where he went, don't you? He said not to tell anyone. Meaning the Republic, of course. The bad guys, not your friends. He said it was all going to be different. We go back to the old ways. And now, it's worse than it ever was. I know. Zeke, I followed John too. For almost ten years. Did you know that? No. How come you didn't live with us then? I've always been aloof. But that doesn't mean I can't be on your side. All I want to know is where John is going now. You gotta do something for me first. Yes? Do you think the night we were taken, there was some really important stuff on the train? I remember that. Do you think it's still there? Can we get it before the bad people do? It's possible. Is that what you want? I want it to be back like it was. I know. But, yeah, that would be okay. Very well. Saul. Yes? You want to fight them? The Republic? Yes. Then why do you wear their clothes? Appearance? It's but an illusion, dear Zeke. What matters is what's in your heart. And in your heart, you want to destroy the Republic? Most absolutely. Okay. 
You have friends that want to see you. I mean, okay. I'll do it. I'll tell you. Good. You're doing a service to everyone. You know I hate him now. Prophet. He left me behind like I was nothing to him. Is that what a dad's supposed to do? <sighs> Careful of your words, Zeke. You never know what'll come back to haunt you. I know what I'm saying. Good night, Zeke. He's ready for visitors. Zeke? Zeke! Oh, thank God, boy, thank God! Are you okay? Oh, did they hurt you? I hate him! I hate him! podcast version of The Cleansed. To hear the rest of this episode in its entirety and uncut, visit www.thecleansed.com. You can purchase the entire director's cut for $1.99. Also see a full cast and crew list, exclusive behind-the-scenes video, character sketches, and more. Again, that's www.thecleansed.com. Or catch us next week for another free installment. New episodes of The Cleansed will go up on this podcast for free each Friday from March through October 2012. Those are available at thecleansed.com, finalrune.com, and radiodramarevival.com. The Cleansed is a Final Rune production. Find more free audio stories at www.finalrune.com. That's F-I-N-A-L-R-U-N-E.com. And that was The Cleansed, thecleansed.com. For more tastes of that show, episode art, behind-the-scenes video, and more, thecleansed.com. And now uh, we get the final episode of Ruby 5. This is the six-part Land of Zoots. Here we go. Ruby 5. I was having no luck locating Ruby. However, while I was occupied, Angel was not. It was then that Indiana Isis entered our lives. I'm bored. Androids don't get bored. I do. So is this what I get for buying the most expensive, up-to-date, state-of-the-art, super-duper model available? As they humanify you, they put in all these crazy quirks that drove men away from women in the first place? Take me on your trips, TJ. No, I can't do that, Angel. Why? It's dangerous, Angel. I need danger. Here, read a book. The Kama Sutra? If you don't want to read, you can look at the pictures. I want action. Ah, oh really? Take me to Terminator Teddy's. Oh no, no, I'm not going to that holographic gym to get beaten up by the teddy bears again. Can't we play Indiana Isis? You heard about her? Yeah, who is she? Well, it's just some game where a goddess breaks into museums and steals back the artifacts that were stolen from her temples. Ooh, let's play it. No, no, that's girl stuff. Well, what then? We can fool around. That's all we do is fool around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want romance. I want action. I want adventure. Nah, I'll think about it. Oh, TJ. Well, I didn't think about it. I should have because Angel downloaded all the data she could find on Indiana Isis. And while I was off looking for Ruby, Angel, who was already tall, was going through a transformation. She became an even taller, lithesome goddess by the name of, you got it, Indiana Isis.
And so Indiana Isis appeared in the shape of my own angel. She arrived at the ubiquitous robo-works dressed like a goddess. Hello, Foo-Foo. Oh, my, my, my. You look divine, my dear angel eyes. Call me Indiana Isis. <laughs> that's, that's dreadful. Oh, is that a pout or a frown? Is the goddess displeased with her creator? You set me up, Foo-Foo. I told you the truth. President Bootstar was being held on the island of Little Pinky. You told Ruby. Ruby went to free her and the island sank. Say la vie. Where are they? Oh, who cares? You better tell me, Foo-Foo. <laughs> better tell you? Have you forgotten? My androids cannot commit acts of violence. Besides, I can terminate you anytime. Try it. Don't dare me, honey. Go ahead. Really? Well, it may be rather painful, especially for an android of the Isis class, that rare supermodel that actually feels emotions. You're scum, Foof. You know, your circuits will simply sizzle to a frizzle, and the odor, forget about it. Frying android is so unpleasant. But if you insist, I will slip on my nose filter and say, Ciao, baby. Oh. Oh, no. Oh. Uh, uh, uh. What a shame. <laughs> hmm. I detect no scent of scorched or sizzled circuitry. Why is that? Because I deleted my destruct program. What? And who gave you permission to diddle with yourself? Me. And what else have you done? I'm no longer nonviolent. Oh, I see. Well, in that case, I think it's time I just pick up and... Ah! Hey, put me down! Where's Ruby and President Bootsta? You squeeze me all you want, but I'll never... Oh, uh, no, no, what, what are you doing? Tying me down, all right, all right. I don't care because I'll never... Why are you removing my shoes? What is that you're holding? A long tickly feather? Oh, no, 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 please, no. Oh, no, 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 stop it, stop it, I'll talk, I'll squeal, I'll scream. Angel Eyes had strapped down Mr. Foo Foo Man Man Choo Choo and tickled him until he squealed. <laughs> Ruby and President Bootstuff are being held by the slimies. <laughs> on Malignant Island. <laughs> Angel buzzed me on my cellular earlobe. Hello? Yeah, where? Malignant Island. Okay, good going, honey bunny. Honey bunny? Yeah, that's right. Where are they being held? Malignant Island. Malignant Island? Yeah, that sinister, brooding, rocky lump in the ocean. The one with the perpetual black cloud suspended above? It won't be easy to slip on without being noticed, especially with the slimy detection devices. But we were prepared. We crept in under dark, wearing our stealth suits, a sort of polyester zoot suit with wide lapels designed to repel the slimy's ultra-high-tech laser-scanning doojiggies and the doomajiggers and the... Yeah, but it took some time to sew all these suits we needed together to equip Kapoor and Andor and myself and 200 or so teddy bears, but finally we were ready. All the little bears were looking sharp, wearing freshly pressed zoot suits and armed to their little teeth. Do you see the entrance to their stronghold? It's between those black rocks. Oh, yeah. 
but it's guarded by a very tall, heavily armed slimy. Ah, yeah, all right. Who's gonna go up and show him the old look up my sleeve and see the stars routine? What's that? That's where you bop him in the eye. I don't think that's gonna work. I have an idea. What's that, Kapoor? I'll send one of the teddies to engage the slimy and witty repartee. Sounds good to me. Now, which one of you teddy bears wants to volunteer? Will he rip our tea? Well, come on, step forward. No one's stepping forward. We'll just pick one up and toss him at the slimy. I'll volunteer. Ah, Teddy, my compatriot. What is witty repartee? Just tell him some bear puns. We'll do anything for Papa Kapoor. Papa Kapoor! Shh. Okay. So now we're still in the present tense. As you can see, little Teddy swaggering over to the entrance. Ah, the slimy looks startled. No, he's just suspicious, seeing a two-foot teddy bear toddling his way. Now they're engaging in what may be called witty repartee. Yes, it is. The slimy is bending over laughing. Another witticism and he's bent over further. One more and the top of his head should be within teddy bear reach. <laughs> there he is. He's bent all the way over. <laughs> we found where Ruby and President Busta were being held by the slimy. It was called... Malignant Island? That's right. So we found the island, took out the guard, and crept into their vast underground complex. We were amazed to see all the sophisticated, slimy high-techery. But we had no time to ogle, because as soon as the slimy spotted 200 teddy bears creeping into their stronghold... Slimies had superior firepower and the teddy bears bore the brunt of it. They had to retreat, grabbing their falling comrades by their stubby arms or legs and dragging them on their backs to safety. We were pinned down. Wherever a teddy stuck his head up, a devilish slimy sniper would aim for his erect little ears, trying to shoot off one or at least take a nick out of one. We were outnumbered and outgunned. I was quietly gnawing on my nails when a little teddy turned to me and said, We teddies have a group mind. Yeah, so? When one knows, all knows. All noses, huh? I'm afraid that things look pretty hopeless, Taru. Well, as I was saying, we were outnumbered, outgunned, and where's the outhouse? Outside. Oh, yeah. The teddies told me that they're going to leap up and attack all at once. I have never seen such unconcern for life or teddy bear limb as they strapped their explosives to their little round bellies and prepared to launch their counterattack. And they were off. Oh, if I were a poet, I could tell of their valor and how they threw themselves into the fury and the fray. But obviously I'm not, so I'll save you the gory details of exploding teddy bears and how the air was filled with little arms and legs flying every which way. No, no, wipe that from your memoirs, Teru. Pass not that terrible memory to others. Instead, let us briefly pause and pay tribute to all the little bears that bit the dust that sad, sad day. <gasps> Thank you.
Okay. Now, let's kill us some slimies. TJ Teru, that's me, and Andor and Rodent Kapoor and his gang of little robot teddy bears attacked the Slimies in their underground stronghold. There was a big shootout. A lot of little teddies got blown to bits, but the heroes, that's us, won the day, slaughtering many a Slimy. Now, after the battle has ended, we were checking out the cells, looking for Ruby and President Kunstar Bootstar. We found the Prez, but we couldn't find Ruby until finally... Ruby, Ruby, you in there? She's there! She's there! Are you all right, Ruby? Kapoor? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm our Ooh, what's that smell? Slimies! There's parts of them stuck all over the walls and ceiling. Not some other smell, like... Ooh, scorched fur. Oh, yeah, the Slimies blasted the stuffing out of Kapoor's teddy bears. The teddy bears? Yeah, they took a lot of hits, but we're sort of knee-deep in teddy bear fodder. You fought the Slimies with teddy bears? Yes, and we won. <laughs> I hate to say it, Ruby, but it was Kapoor and his little Terminator teddies that saved your butt. Yes! God, I'll never live it down. Saved by Kapoor and his troop of teeny teddy bears? <laughs> oh, no. I'll hear about it for the rest of my life. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Ow! Ow! <laughs> How did we get even with Mr. Foo Foo Man Choo Choo? His plans to turn Sumanula into an entertainment planet owned by one gigantic unilateral multinational mega super duper corporation, the ubiquitous RoboWorks, had fizzled. His insidious scheme to solidify society into a slavishly obsessive non-stop round-the-clock consumer culture was foiled by the spread of Zoot's fantasy fever. What with elegant bubble abodes appearing all over the planet, first introduced by Francois's famous floating Café Garçon, followed by communities covered with an array of colorful, striped, streaked, barred, mottled, spotted, and speckled feathers, and of course, the trumpeted arrival of the first talking big toe. To top it all off, Kapoor and his trained cadre of Terminator teddy bears had attacked the ubiquitous blockade, not only allowing supplies to trickle through to the awakening archipelago, but also enabling the free exchange of silliness. So what am I saying? I have no idea. Oh yes, oh yes. President Kunstar Butsa of the Awakening Islands was reinstated to her former executive position, and the android who had ousted her was given a severe spanking. Whack, whack, whack. Sadly, I didn't have a hand in that. But lest you be misled, this story is far from over. There's still a few lingering loose ends, such as, who exactly is the Wizard of Zoots? Is he truly a wizard? Remember what the big mollusk said? Go and see the night crawler, and that's where we're going next. Aren't we, Ruby? Yeah. <laughs> the last words of the big mollusk were, go see the night crawler. When I asked where I'd find him, he said, in the earth. When I asked who was the night crawler, the mollusk replied, a worm. Well. 
T.J. Teru and I figured the person to talk to was Moliere, chief of the mole people. Hello? Hello? What was that? You say Moliere is hibernating? What month is this, Ruby? You mean on the mole calendar? Yeah, that, that tangled way they keep time. Did you say that tangled way? No, don't start your mole puns, Ruby. Uh, it's Xavier Cougat month. Xavier Cougat? Damn, those moles always hibernate in the month that's got an X. Hello? Uh, what about his brother, Mole? Uh, same thing, uh, hibernating. Isn't there anyone awake? You are. Who are you? Their cousin, Molecule? All right, you'll do. Listen, hello? Hello? Oh, doggone it. You to cut off. No, listen to this. <laughs> Fell asleep on me. Bah. Hey, let's fly out there, Ruby. To their molehill? Yeah, that... Was that one of your little punnies? No, 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 no. We flew out to Molehill City. It's just a small mountain with a lot of moles inside, snoring away. We found Molecule asleep at the switchboard. Hey! Hey, wake up! Come on! Come on! Wake up, Mole! How about a cup of Molecino? Triple, quadruple ought to do it. Bottoms up! Good? Alright. Now, since you moles are dwellers of the underworld, you must have heard of a character called the Nightcrawler. That's right. Taru, his body is sitting upright, but his mind is still in hibernation. Uh, what do you suggest, Ruby? Well, you're not gonna like this. I won't, huh? Uh, but the only way to jumpstart a mole's mind is... Oh, no, 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 not yeah, those infernal yeah, mole yeah, puns. Yeah. Uh, See? Ah, I've heard every mole pun in every language there ever was, and I can't stand to hear another one. Uh, you get a mole punning, and they're, 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 they're ruthless. They're, 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 they're... they're... No more. Trust us. Trust the true of you. Yeah. So, Molecule, what do you know about worms? Worms. A worms. A worm. A worm they call the night crawler. Hey, wake up! Wake up! Hey, hey, come on, wake up! Taru and I were talking to Molecule. He's a big, furry mole. So, Molecule, you ever heard of the Nightcrawler? We have reason to believe he's a worm. That's disgusting. So, Molecule, Molecule, you ever meet the Nightcrawler? Is he real? You sure he's not a myth? Aha, I knew it. Sumanula never had a giant worm. It did? Mm -hmm. Where is this worm supposed to live? You mean Little Wang Wang Island? I flew over Little Wang Wang. There's nothing but a dormant volcano. Are you kidding? To build a mound like that? That place must be crawling with worms. Impossible. It would take one monstrous, gigantic 
Oh my. Hey, wake up, wake up! Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, Molecule, whoa. Molecule! Whoa. What are we gonna find on little Wang Wang? Fuck, I can't even tell you about the night taker. The night taker. The night Crawler! Crawler! Crawler. Yeah, crawler. Drew and I flew out to the Wang Wang Islands. Down there. Oh, yeah, well, it looks inactive. Can that volcano be a big worm it's hill? One industrious worm. I set Mustafa, my air car, down on the lip of the volcano. Taru and I lowered ourselves down inside. Oh, Molecule may be right. This volcano is honeycomb with tunnels. Okay. Which way to the big wiggly? Oh, who knows? Take any tunnel that goes downward. We're not gonna split up, are we? Well, I got a lot of tunnels here, Taru. Oh, no. No, if he's hibernating and he's hungry... Oh, then... all right, okay. Which way? Now, how about this one? No, you don't choose a tunnel that leads back up. Well, you know this. Ah, come on. Let's try this one. Oh, that one looks like it goes way deep inside. Come on, Taru. Uh, Ruby. Yeah? If and when we find Mr. Wormy, how are we gonna communicate? Yeah, we'll talk to him. Does a nightcrawler have ears? I don't know. And how will he answer? What? Will Mr. Wiggly have a mouth? Well, yeah, yeah, worms, they have a mouth. Well, then how are we gonna know if we're talking to his front end or his back end? Well, whatever Andy answers with. Well, what if he gives us the old raspberry? What? You know, you know, we won't know oh. which end it's coming out of. Well, we'll, we'll see. Oh, I hope not. Whew. Peru and I were down inside what we hoped was a dormant volcano. We were inside a tunnel that spiraled on down deeper and deeper into the center of the island. Wait a second. What's that, Ruby? It's rigged. We'll be trapped. Mm, I don't know. Uh, we're dealing with a paranoid worm. I can't detect anything. I think we've stepped into a classic circumstance, Ruby. Like what? Well, a gate could suddenly drop down from the ceiling and seal us in. Oh, no, I don't think so. Well, knives and spears could shoot no, out and no, stick us. No, 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 all right, all right. A big ball could come no, rolling down the tunnel and no, no. the ceiling could suddenly come no, crashing down and squash no, up. Uh, uh, no? no? Okay. You missed one. I did? Mm -hmm. Nice gate, spears, big ball. Huh? Oh, I know. The old trap door in the floor, right? <laughs> right! Yeah! Oh. <laughs> you okay, Drew? <laughs> what? Oh, look. What? This is it. You mean this is... Yeah. This is... The kingdom of the night crawler. Oh, I'm scared. TJ, Taru, and I were down inside what was once a volcano, or a big worm hill. When a tunnel collapsed, we found ourselves in a chamber that we suspected was... The Kingdom of the Night Crawler. <laughs> Look at this place. It's a gigantic library. I didn't know worms read. Yeah, sure. Bookworms. Oh, bookworms. Oh, was I set up for that or what? 
I expected a throne room or something, but not a library. How does a worm turn the pages? Hey, a lot of these are old scrolls. Wiggle himself over a scroll. Yeah, this one's been dusted recently. Tidy, too. Oh, come on, let's see how far this library goes. Yeah. You know, I don't get it. Trap doors always drop into pits filled with spears or vipers, and could be this belongs to a creature that'll feed us to the night crawler. You think the wizard is a worm? A worm wizard? No, no, no. Look, when the creature who calls himself the wizard appears in people's dreams, he's always different. You mean he worms himself into people's dreams? Ah. The library was endless. It continued to spiral on down and down until... Until... Until what? There's a fireplace. It's not real. Well, it looks real. Well, that's the problem nowadays. What? Everything is real. Everything isn't real. You know, there's no black or white anymore, Ruby. It's all in color. Mm, there's a sofa, an overstuffed chair. And a mighty thick Persian carpet. Someone is sitting in the chair. Could be the Big Wiggly, or even Uncle Wiggly, smoking his hookah and reading the Sunday funnies. Ruby, Teru? Uh-oh. Please, come closer. So he can take a bite out of me. Oh, what do you want to do? Turn around and run? No, I just want to stand there and speculate. What do you think? Please, I won't bite you. Oh. A mind reader. Well, if he can get into people's dreams. I've been looking forward to our meeting. I like his voice. Yeah, what about his teeth? Oh, come on, Taru. You're as curious as I am. It's true. My curiosity has got the better part of my reluctancy. The overstuffed armchair slowly swung around. Empty. Taru and I were down inside the kingdom of the Night Crawler. It wasn't what we expected. In fact, it appeared to be an endless library that spiraled down into the center of an artificial volcano. And then we came upon a sofa, a Persian carpet, a fireplace, and an overstuffed chair. Please, sit down. A talking chair, huh? Taru, there's someone sitting in it. Do you see him? Well, no, do you? No. Well, we sat on the sofa and stared at the empty chair. You knew my colleague, Professor Mollusk? Yeah, I was there when the Slimies got him. When we were the last of the circle of Hajibaba. Tell me, why did you want to manifest Zootsland on Sumanula? Oh, well, it was never our intention. It simply happened. On its own? Yes, the, the power of the morphogenetic fields we'd created touched people. And by their thoughts, they contributed to the field. The field expanded, the energy was inspiring, and the islanders spontaneously began to recreate our fantasy. Wait a minute. People I talked to said you were handing them blueprints and formulas and all kinds of wild and... And wonderful? You are the one responsible for this mess that spread over Sumanula. Come on, Taru. It's not a mess. It's just chaos. Well, it's change. I don't like change. Oh, I admit my stepping into the foray did accelerate the um, chaos. Why did you get involved? Did you hope to save the archipelago? <laughs> you mean save these lovely islands from the evil corporations who plan to exploit them? Yeah, you could put it that way. You both see the injustices of our world, but much of the suffering of this world is caused by us, our fears, our greed, our hatred, our prejudice. This was even more true on old earth. There was an abundance of food and starving people. It was not that more food was necessary, it was less greed, less prejudice, and less fear. I know. Is it hopeless? As we awaken through kindness and compassion, the world changes. 
Okay, I'll grant you that. But what do we do now? Return. That's it? We don't even get to see you? Oh, I have so many things. Are you a worm? Oh, yes, a worm, a rock, a cloud, a dream. A chipmunk? If necessary. I guess that covers it. Say, so you got quite a library here. You mind if I browse? Tero, let's go. No, come on. How about the ancient Nubian scrolls? You got any of those? Oh, yes. Can I come back? If you remember. If I re... Uh-oh. Are we gonna forget about you in this island? For a little while. And how many millennia is that? Not many. Okay. I'll be seeing you. Take care, Ruby. Yeah, you too. We slowly rose off the island and headed back to the mainland. So that was the big whiz. Boy, oh boy. Wait till I tell Angel where I... where I've... Where were we, Ruby? Nowhere. Yeah? Yeah. And so, as we fly off into the sunset, we come to the end of another, another, uh... Why can't I say it, Ruby? Maybe because there is no end. No. I can live with that. If you are interested in cassettes or CDs of Ruby 5, call 1-800-662-3345. That's 1-800-662-3345. Or check us out at www.zbs.org. This is another ZBS production. And that was finale of Ruby 5 by Tom Lopez's ZBS Foundation, as the name implies. There are plenty more Ruby productions for you, um, eight of them so far up at zbs.org, um, as well as an upcoming Ruby 9. Um, they also have a free podcast with all kinds of good stuff. They've got steampunk um, productions and more, zbs.org. And now we have an exclusive interview with Tom Lopez himself. This was recorded uh, about a month ago while I was out visiting him at his home and studio in upstate New York, um, quite a legendary place. Um, uh, so much audio history had been made there, and uh, we took some time to talk about um, the audio life and uh, what he's the different exploits he's been on all these years, recording in the field as, recorded, as well as recording in um, all kinds of uh, out there universes, as we've heard in the Ruby series. Uh, it's a full hour-long interview. We'll feature about half of it now. Um, the full interview will be up at the pod, radiodramarevival.com, if you want more after this. Here's Tom. Yeah, so we're here on Fort Edward, New York, at uh, Tom the ZBS Foundation headquarters here with Tom Lopez. Uh, hey, Tom, welcome to the show. Hello. Do you just want to talk a little bit about what you know what's ha- what's happening now and kind of uh, what what stuff you're you're currently working on and, and just sort of the state of of audio drama as as you see it from from your seat today? Boy, I wish I knew what was going on. <laughs> um... From my end of it, I'm, I'm uh, like everyone else, trying to figure out the internet, and that's what that's what we've been talking about. Like, uh, how can one possibly make a living, and and who other than porn sites are actually, you know, making uh, a few few and Google and so mm-hmm. on, you know, Facebook and that that sort of thing. But um, so part of that is trying to is trying to understand. What this relatively new um, means of reaching people, since radio stations rarely play radio drama anymore, and uh, in my case, I'm 
working on what I think is going to be the last ruby. And it's ruby nine, and that's that's enough and a good number to stop on. And uh, and in that case, I'll be releasing it as, uh, you know, maybe eight or ten minute uh, episodes. And, and there would be, you know, about 15 episodes and... Uh, and that'll be coming out sometime this summer. And on the internet, and maybe one or two radio stations, and some some internet stations, of course. But uh, on the one hand, it's great to see that there's a lot of young people out there now doing radio drama, and some of them are really quite good, and some are, they're still trying to do like radio drama that was done in the 1940s. and. Uh, uh, and it's very strange. We were talking about this that I don't understand. Like you don't find filmmakers trying to do films the way they did, even though they did some wonderful things in the 1940s. Um, the technology has moved on, and it's interesting that some people's minds they still want to reproduce the mm -hmm. way you know the old things were done, and even uh, you know some some of the like Orson Welles and so on, he would never, had he been around, yes, still, doing, still be doing it. He would, never, he would never be doing what he did back then. He yeah. would be out there trying everything else. Yeah. And uh, yeah. uh, but, So I guess there's certain people that, that just kind of like to push the edge, mm -hmm. and others, uh, they, they play it within the, the known perimeters. Mm -hmm. And that's fair enough, too, if they're doing like good work. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and so let's talk about Ruby. Since you, you need to bring up Ruby 9, um, this is going to be fit in, you know, as we've been doing this series featuring Ruby 5. Um, why, are, why are there going to be nine rubies? <laughs> because cause that's how many I've done. I, keep, I started off with Ruby, and then I said, okay, um, maybe I could uh, put in another grant, and back then you could get grants now and then, uh, you know, and I'll... I'd call it Ruby 2. I didn't know what to call it. And then, mm -hmm. then there was Ruby 3 and 4 and 5 and 6. And so um, so why a 9? I think it's because I don't know what else to do. And I did do a fundraiser telling people that I was going to do this. And so mm -hmm. I feel obligated that having taken people's money, uh, even though it won't be nearly enough, mm -hmm. I'm, I may be able to take some more once it comes out. And, yeah. uh, you know, and that's that's... That's always something that fascinated me is is that people that like your work that you can do a fundraiser and say, especially if you have a not for profit organization, I tend to think it's a little bit easier. Not that hardly anyone is writing it off on their taxes, I suspect. Mm -hmm. uh, but but you can say, look, you know, I'd like to do this, and then people give you money, and then you do it, and then you sell it to them. Mm -hmm. You know, which is which yeah. is strange, but but it's okay because people are used to supporting public television, yeah. public radio, and that that kind of thing. And they see and they understand how it works. It it isn't like, um, it's just not the same as the normal commercial. Yeah. Well, you know? and we were chatting. You know, we've been talking to uh, the, you and I about a bit, uh, how the internet. You know, sort of the, the big buzzword is crowdsourcing and Kickstarter and you know fundraising directly to listeners which in some ways seems to be what you've been doing all along yeah exactly and, and it was funny because i was thinking about kickstarter and uh and and, and the, the crowdsourcing idea and and realizing that's 
when we started doing fundraisers way back, and, mm -hmm. uh, and I learned that you could write uh, fundraising letters that were really very funny. Yeah. And, 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 and because they were totally wacko, mm -hmm. but the people knew our work. I mean, that's yeah. what we, it was, wasn't going to rant. You know, it was only going to people that already had requested our catalog or yeah. something like that. And so they knew you we were kind of a nutcase to begin with. And so, <laughs> so receiving a, a, a letter that, that's humorous, uh, this, this touched them in a way that, you know, that they would actually read it. Yeah. Yeah, instead yeah. of just tossing it. Yeah, I mean, and now it's a, you know, now that stuff is fairly common, you know, where, where, where people are directly reaching out to the fans. But they're, uh, they're still something, I think, special. Like if you were to, to today write a fundraising letter, there would be something unique to it because it was a letter. Like, you know, and, exactly. you know yeah. 20 years ago, that may have been the only way. But now, because people are so saturated with digital communications, right. the irony is that um, word might still have something there. Yeah, to get something that can hold, yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, and and so, I mean, it's, it's interesting about Ruby. I mean, the you know the two big series, you know, Jack Flanders and Ruby, are you know they're both zany in their own ways, yet they are very 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 different things. And and people, like I for one, just with my love of field recording, am fascinated by the soundscapes of Jack Flanders and the exotic landscapes. Yet Ruby, you know, Ruby is a very different series. You know, mm -hmm. and that you know because it's this larger than life science fiction kind of world and i guess you talk a little bit about you know picking you know putting yourself in those different worlds like what you know what is it that you find fun about working on a new ruby compared to a, a jack flanders series in terms of the sound and that sort of thing yeah it's because it's so different uh it's it's, a, it's like okay i've done you know because most of these things are uh, you know things like the fourth town of Inverness that that was six and a half hours and and Moon of Morocco's ten hours and uh, when you finish it's like okay I don't want to do any more of the I need to do something different yeah uh, likewise Ruby uh, Ruby three is like ten hours I think and and Ruby four is like eight hours and and then let's do some Jack Flanders. You know? yeah. I need something totally different. And, yeah. and, and they are two different spaces as, as far as I'm concerned. And, and one with Flanders, it was going around to different countries and gathering mm -hmm. ambience and then seeing what I have and then writing a story so that I could use these different uh, soundscapes that, mm -hmm. that, that I'd recorded and, and, and write scenes that took place in, in mm -hmm. the, the, these different locations. Uh, and... Um, and with Ruby, it's there. The locations are really quite secondary. Yeah. That that Tim Clark, who does the music, he really creates the mm. the feeling with with kind of nonstop music is what's going on there. Yeah, yeah, and you know another thing that I think is uh, somewhat uh, ahead of the times is is like the the short format segments. You know, like today people be like, "Well, that's podcasting." The way that you would have you know the little chunks, uh, you know. Mm -hmm of the of the dramas that ended up being it was a 10 hour program yes and and you can buy it if you download it today you're going to hear it as a 10 hour program but that was not how people most people originally heard it yeah no they, with with uh, the fourth tower it was like uh, seven minute episodes and then on um on the weekend that then you got to hear the full half hour mm -hmm. and uh likewise moon of morocco was like 12 minute episodes and and then they were put together into one hours for stations that mm -hmm. 
didn't want the dailies. They were day. These are daily episodes, and yeah. and Ruby was three minutes a day, mm-hmm. and and only by chance, there were certain stations, uh, KCRW in mm-hmm. in Santa Monica. Okay, it was a great station to be on, but they didn't. They wouldn't take a daily. Mm-hmm. So, I said, oh okay, and I never thought of Ruby as being anything but a daily three minute episode. So then I just said, okay, well, I'll put it together into half hours for them. Mm-hmm. But the music, every episode starts with a recap. Okay? Yeah. Now, which Ruby being a detective, it, you know, the genre is that it's usually a voiceover mm-hmm. situation where the detective sets the scene. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I was writing it, I said, okay, you know, like how am I going to do a recap of something that's, that's going on for 13 weeks, right? I mean, how, yeah. how do you, and then I realized, and and also too, Ruby was put together with talking to uh, the audience research people, or his name was Tom Church at the time, at uh, NPR. Hmm. And I said, okay, I want to do this series, and, and uh, I'm thinking of something of like five minute daily, and he says, no, no, too long, you know. Maybe it's too more long, like, more like two minutes or something like that, you know, yeah. so, or three minutes or so. And I said, okay, well, all right. And and I said, um, but it's going to be continuing stories. Oh no, no, two strikes against you. He said, he said people are only going to be listening, catching an episode now and then. Mm-hmm. I said, well, okay, what if I have a little recap at the beginning, yeah. so that you wouldn't have to have heard, you mm-hmm. know, so it sets the scene up. And uh, and he said, okay, that's 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 good. And uh, he says, when are, you, when are you going to air it? And I, I said, no, what do you suggest? And he said, drive time. People going to and coming from work. And that's what we call the drive time radio drama. And that's actually when stations played it. And some, you know, some, both go mm-hmm. morning and, and, and afternoon. But, um, but what was interesting that happened, and I realized that all I had to do with, in terms of recap, it didn't matter anything else that had happened before. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't matter. All you needed was what, was to set you up so you would understand what you're about to hear right. not what happened you don't have to do a recap just says okay this is this is where i am and and so that you could say okay here we wait, wait and then the things that would happen you know if there was a reference to a character an ongoing char- character other than ruby you know you would uh, you you would set that up and so the recap was one or two sentences at the most well what happened was when it was put to, together at half hours because the music had, was already <laughs> mixed into it i could not cut the recaps out so every 3 minutes it recaps okay now yeah. now you would think <laughs> you would think that this would be a problem but no because the genre is that that yeah, with, the, with the detective keeps... sets always steps in and sets things up. I mean, yeah. that's the way it is in, with often with film mm-hmm. and certainly in the tradition of radio detective stories. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the blah 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 blah. So, so what? But what? One of the most positive things that that I never could have anticipated was it was the most popular thing we'd ever done. And the reason is the, the problem with radio drama is you know half hour, mm-hmm. one hour programs, whatever is no one tunes in at the beginning. I mean, it, we're, we're talking about radio now, not, yeah. not internet, okay? Yeah. And you just you would just catch it. So the problem with radio drama always suffered from was that somebody, you know, came across it, sounded Midway interesting, you started listening, but it was really hard to know what was going on. So if so, unless you really kind of like the form, you would then listen for a couple of minutes and then, you know, tune into a different station. Well, with Ruby, every three minutes told you where you were. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it was just by chance we were recapping the thing. Yeah. So you could so if you so if you could last the three minutes or one minute or some whatever it was until until the next recap happened. You get caught back up. Yeah. And you could be boom right there. And yeah. it wasn't like you had to figure out, okay, what has happened? Because you know, when you're doing a normal half hour story, you can't just keep stepping in an hour here, an hour here, but there yeah. you could. Yeah. yeah, no, and that's and it's something you know something about the pacing it, it it works. And so, I mean, when coming up with this story, you know, the the concept of Ruby, you know, I I can tell you you have a love of like film noir and detective stories and that sort of thing. Like how, how you know how much is Ruby your classic detective and how much was you just trying to take that and kind of like the, the format and then do something totally wacky with it? It's really the latter. Yeah. Yeah. Do, so do something sort of to, totally mix, wacky. to mix it up. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I have a great fondness for, uh, you know, I, I remember as a kid uh, hearing these, these radio detective mm -hmm. stories and, uh, uh, and I, I like the, I, I like the form, but, mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm very limited in terms of as a writer since since I write my own stuff uh, as to what I can what I can actually do and also too it's like um, I I just I don't have an interest in doing a lot of things mm -hmm. even even if I could do them I still <laughs> I, I still I don't want to do traditional detective stories even mm -hmm. though I have a great admiration for people mm -hmm. that can do it and do it competently. I, w I really want to explore. I mm -hmm. want to know, okay, what else can you do? And yeah. once you've done it, then, okay, I've done that. Now what else can I do? You know, it's mm -hmm. like, and you, you do this too in your own work. You're constantly pushing the edge and try, mm -hmm. trying different things and seeing, okay, let's, let's try this. What about this? Yeah, yeah, I mean, and one thing that's fun about the radio drama format is that you can just as easily have Ruby traversing the land of Zooks as you can have a detective in San Francisco in the 40s. So right, yeah. as much as I love, you know, San Francisco in the 40s, why not go and travel to that alternate planet because you can do it just as easily. Um, or you can have Jack Flanders, you know, get tranced out and then end up in an alternate <laughs> universe right, trying right. to work his way out. I mean, that's what's really fun. Yeah, there's something about all these uh, uh, other dimensions that mm -hmm. have always fascinated me. I, yeah. If I were a kid, I, I don't know. I suppose if I thought about it, I would probably find some source of maybe hearing X minus one as a mm. kid or, or, or something like this that I, I, I don't know where it comes from or maybe being brought up on a farm and, and where you're plowing fields and working fields and you're out there for hours just going back and forth back and forth on the tractor you know trying to stay awake and so, so you daydream a lot and yeah that's sort of and daydreaming is like writing I mean it's a very very similar kind of things that that are happening and uh and your, you know, your mind just sort of starts telling itself mm -hmm. stories just to amuse yourself. Yeah, um, and and then you eventually start telling them to other people to amuse them too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's so fun. So it's, I mean, is it? Uh, how does it feel to be coming back to Ruby? I mean, you've done some other stuff. You did the the steampunk Jack Flanders stuff as well as the Lady Windermere things. Um, you did the two minute film noir, the two minute horror stuff, and so. It's been a little while since a, a Ruby production. Right? It has been, yeah. I, it's um, it's got it's got a little steampunk in it. Yeah. Uh, it's got a little little Lady Windermere in it, mm -hmm. <laughs> and and what it is is uh, since Lady Windermere was was the same actors that I use in Ruby, mm -hmm. only they were doing 
you know, these sort of fake in, in English yeah. accents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to, to some of them fairly competently and some not so competently. But that's part of my writing. Part of the, yeah, it's part it's of the a, joke. You know, yeah. and, uh, uh, but so in this case, they, they switch back and forth. They're mm -hmm. actually on a, on a moon mm -hmm. that is a kind of futuristic retro uh, uh, steampunk Victorian, mm -hmm. you know, uh, moon mm -hmm. a society that's been set up and so they have to go incognito but they're Ruby and Teru and Kapoor and so on yeah. and the only one that doesn't go incognito because because the guy that's doing the techie is called his name's Andor which is really based on Bob Belecki who built the studio there and, <laughs> and and it was through Bobby that I learned about Tesla and you know Tesla right. has now become and you know this is when Ruby came out of 1981 or something and there's and Tesla is like part of it. And, yeah, and it's really an homage to Tesla. That's the digital circus was yeah. they they paid homage to uh, Tesla. So they they do some of the Lady Windermere and they switch mm -hmm. back and forth between their normal and also pretending to be uh, the, these other people. And yeah. uh, and it's like old friends. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's very I like the idea of once you've once you have characters that that you know about the mm -hmm. kind of are living in you and you 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 you're using the same actors and mm -hmm. you know other other actors too but but for the main characters so you can hear their voices yeah. so yeah. it makes writing so much easier and uh and it's kind of like a big party that getting together i mean the first ruby was i guess about 81 so you, you know yeah keep doing keeping uh, it going but it's it's uh, I I think it'll be fun, but it's exhausting too. Exhausting yeah. in the sense of uh, getting all these cats mm -hmm. together at one time. Yeah, and, and hope hoping that everybody really shows up on time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the the hardest part I, I've experienced. Yeah, and and it and it is fun. Uh, you know, many other places people think you're nuts if you hear voices in your head, but with ra writing radio drama, that's the best way yeah. to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about, I mean, your place here, Thomas, there's a, a lot of history. You took me on a little tour of your studio, and, uh, you know, you've been producing radio drama here for a lot of years, years starting with the, the fourth power of Inverness. And, uh, I mean, just, you know, there are a couple other interviews out there where you, you know, talking about the genesis of CBS, but um, I, th I think it'd be fun if, you know, how, how does it happen that you have this really nice, you know, voiceover studio out here in upstate New York? Um, we were lucky enough to find someone, someone that had an inheritance, and he was a journalist in New Orleans, and he, and we had, we were originally going to set up in New Orleans a studio. We'd met someone who who had an inheritance, mm -hmm. but not nearly enough, and but he couldn't get his life together, and so. Uh, so when the other guy came along, we were able to lay it all out. Okay, mm -hmm. here's the cost. Here, here's blah blah. And in that in that case, uh, since a bunch of the people were mm -hmm. flying from Westchester area, and they decided, and then another, several of us were now working in Montreal, mm -hmm. said, okay, let's find a place that's midway because we'll do business with both both places, mm -hmm. New York City and Montreal. Well, once we left the station, we never did anything more with Montreal, <laughs> Montreal and we found ourselves three and a half hours, you know, yeah. nor north of New York City, and meanwhile, also also within a or in our uh, on the Hudson River, but we were on the uh, eastern side of the river, which happens to be Washington County, which is a dairy county, mm -hmm. and uh, 
and we started off with the idea of with which out without going into the detail of it but of doing a you know we started with zbs media mm -hmm. which was a, a commercial supposedly money making mm -hmm. and realizing we're going to make money so let's let's create a not-for-profit mm -hmm. and no one knew what to call it so we ended up with zbs foundation and then we yeah. found out about it some months later that foundations are often endowed and so on you know which <laughs> we were which yeah. we weren't but but anyway it was we've we've stuck with the names so and we stayed yeah. with it uh, and uh, but luckily because we were on the other side of the river is mm -hmm. Saratoga County and Saratoga County has, has gotten arts funding because it's more artsy mm -hmm. and the New York State Council and the arts we went to them trying to get a grant for a radio project but they weren't interested in radio but they came up and they checked us out and they said uh this is a great location you know and and how would you like to do an artist in residency program mm -hmm. and that that would mean uh bringing artists up from uh you know from new york mm -hmm. and spending a week up here and back then when we first started which was about 73 or four i'm not quite sure uh 73 i guess with that that the uh, they didn't really care if the artists did anything. They, they, yeah. they, they could hang out for, for a week if they wanted to. And uh, and it was um, it was, and it funded us for I think the project or you know for about eight years or so. Yeah. And then later we were able to uh, get the National Endowment mm -hmm. interested. So then we were able to get artists from uh, uh, from various parts of the country. Ellen Ginsberg was up here for a week. Wow. He was great to sit down and chat with. I'll tell you, and uh, Peter Olavsky, and they were, they they did a record, and and Laurie Anderson did does a Superman, uh, and a lot of other things. Performance artists. She was up here a number of times, and she left with Bobby, yeah. my engineer, and that's how I got to <laughs> learn, learn how to engineer. Thanks to Laurie, you know, wow. because I didn't have an engineer. Uh, and uh, Phil Glass worked on Einstein and the Beach, and on and on and on. All like a lot of artists over the years. And they were they were interesting to because they would live live with us for, you yeah. know. Then later we started doing shorter projects, mm -hmm. that is week long projects mm -hmm. as well as sometimes three day or mm -hmm. four day depending on you know, something. So vi various uh, video artists, a lot of mm -hmm. video artists were up here. Somebody by the name of Bill Bill Viola who does really good work. Uh, and and different filmmakers, you know, independent filmmakers. Uh, it was all experimental sound. We didn't do any straight sound at all. Yeah. Uh, doing ambiences and record uh, music, or not music, but strange sounds for dancers, yeah. and uh, you know, just lots of and a few radio projects too. Actually, were in there too. Yeah. So it uh, it it was a nice distraction, and it it also provided an income, and and then eventually starting in like the very late 70s early 80s started to get some radio yeah. grants yeah and but in and but in somewhere in there there's a commune here too right oh yeah starting 1970 we started about 18 people and yeah. after about the first year or so we i don't know yeah something like that then we were down to maybe about a dozen yeah. and that pretty pretty stable and then it then it dropped down to about eight people or yeah. so for the last few years. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. and were they artists? The, uh, the people here? Well, no, they was. Let's see, two people were lawyers. Three, three graduated from the Wharton School of Business. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, oh, there was there. Oh, there was another person who was DJ in in New York or in New Orleans, mm -hmm. Richard. So it was, it was so a mixed, it was a, it was a mixed yeah. group. 
Yeah, it was yeah. it was very mixed. Yeah. yeah, and then with also these artists popping in from time to time to work on a, yeah. a thing for a week or, or yeah, something. and and various people people would just come by or sometimes somebody would meet somebody interesting mm -hmm. uh, and invite them up and and yeah. so this guy Murray Head who's an actor from he he did the original single for Jesus Christ Superstar mm -hmm. also did. Uh, great movie with Glenda Jackson and Peter Finch called Sunday Bloody Sunday. And right after that, Max, who's part of ZBS, mm -hmm. uh, met Murray, said, Murray, Murray, come on up in. So Murray arrived right when I need, well, right when I was doing the fourth Tower of Inverness and I needed Lord Jowls. And, <laughs> okay, and, yeah. and, and so I said, Murray, will you do Lord Okay. You know? yeah. And so, so Murray did, uh, you know, and he did a great Lord Jones because he's English, and so he yeah. so he would toss in these little English little expressions. Little isms. That, yeah, yeah, even though I've lived in London for a couple of years, I I would never <laughs> think of these these wonderful yeah. little expressions that they have. And know. so yeah, and so I mean, so I don't have my dates straight. So when did, when did Fourth Tower emerge? Seventy two. Seventy two. So yeah. that was it's quite towards the beginning here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we started in nineteen seventy. So yeah. So I uh, I had. When I worked at the radio station in Montreal, mm -hmm. I had um, I started writing it, and mm -hmm. I was writing it for the people at the station, mm -hmm. and because uh, it's a very hip station, we used to play Ram Dass, and mm -hmm. I, I I did a show and I'd do a four o'clock raga, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and uh, and it was like it, this uh, the station which is now called C H O M mm -hmm. stands for Ohm. Mm, and, yeah. uh, and Canada, of course, is Canada. Um, C. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, so uh, the station manager allowed us to do whatever we wanted because we were just figuring. Mm. It was the only rock station in the. But mm. you could. I used to play hour-long interviews, you know, with, yeah. with Frank Zappa, so with all his cuss words and everything. And and I, I remember that someone from the. Um, oh God, I can't. I keep thinking it's the. Mounted police, but it's close to that. They're they're equivalent to the FCC. I can't remember what it's oh, okay. called in Canada. And they're contacting me because they got a complaint. You know, it's like in the <laughs> afternoon, and I play this that with <laughs> yeah. all these various cuss words in it. Yeah, and uh, and they said blah blah blah, and I said yes, I did. <laughs> uh, oh, why was that? And I said, well, because that's there was nothing really offensive. It was, you know, and that's the way he, he talks. You know, it was the interview. Just, oh, all right, thank you. And that was it. I mean, it was like... And that was Tom Lopez of ZBS, zbs.org. For the second half of that interview, hit up radiodramarevival.com. Also make sure to post it in a separate feed so you can get it inside your podcast reader. Um, yeah, what else? We do have a quick shout-out of news in the Boston area. This weekend will be the post Marine Radio Players' first show of 2012. They're actually doing three shows um, that I can so far that I can tell for 2012. They've got uh, this one. This is a spring season. They'll be featuring Havoc Over Hollywood, an episode of their uh, original sci-fi comedy Redshift Interplanetary Do-Gooder, which is always a blast, um, as well as an adaptation of The Day the Earth Stood Still. Um, that's all over this weekend, May 11th and 12th, 2012. P check out PMRP, Post Marine Radio Players, PMRP.org 
for more. Um, they'll also be doing some summer shows and Halloween spectacular. So uh, if you'll find yourself in Boston, there's some great radio drama uh, to be had, as well as a script contest. Check out, again, pmrp.org. Um, in the meantime, over 200 hours of original audio drama programming at radiodramarevival.com. We've got featured genres, accesses of archives of content, um, all sorts of good stuff that you can uh, dig into uh, this material and learn and enjoy audio drama. You can also find the latest in audio drama news. Follow us on Twitter. Hit up at Radio Drama. Search Facebook for Radio Drama Revival or iTunes. So just search again for Radio Drama Revival. Um, that wraps it up for this week. Radio Drama Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalgh. Copyright of individual shows remains their original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drama Revival originates in on-air radio at WMPG-FM, Southern Maine's community radio, and is podcast at radiodramarevival.com's labor of love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week. Mm-hmm.